Good morning, everybody. It's so wonderful to see you all here this morning. Uh, good job getting here despite the weather. I know that uh, our my commute is a little, a little slippery out there, so I'm glad that you are all here safe. Been praying for you this morning that, uh, uh, that everyone would have safe travels, so it's good to see you. If you're watching here online with us, uh, we'd like to just welcome you as well. I'm so glad that you're watching with us. We have online hosts available for you, so if you'd like to click that button to have um, an online host pray for you, answer any questions you may have, or just speak with you, um, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, This morning, we're going to go into a time of worship, and we're just so excited um, to just worship our God on this amazing Sunday, um, another day that we get to just serve Him and um, sing praises to His name. Uh, So I'd just like to ask all of you to stand as we go into a time of worship. Oh 
your presence we are made whole. And all we want and all we need is found in you, found in you. Jesus, every victory is found in you, found in
So we just sang about the lion and the lamb and the fact that God is coming again. But he always was, and he always meeting the needs of his people. We read in Psalms 511, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Let's continue to sing. count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out working all things out yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. Sing, I count, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I. Lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. Oh, my days. Yes, I will for all my 
All the glory and honor and praise to him. Let's commence all the host of heaven. Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. like fire what other power can raise the dead what other name remains undefeated only a holy God come and behold
rescue me from my failing. Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Only my holy God. Come and behold him, the one the only. Cry out, sing holy forever. Father God, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for always providing. We thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us. Because of that, our praise, God, we give it to you in the most humblest of ways. Father, we love you. We thank you. We just pray that you would just bless this morning, bless the message that we will receive this morning. Speak through Pastor Jeff. Soften our hearts and our minds. Father, we just pray that you would show us something new. We love you and we praise you. pray all this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. We are so glad you're here this morning. If you're online, feel free to type in the chat. Let us know you're here or click the request prayer button to talk with one of our hosts. Um, You can also, if you want to let us know you're here, you can text here to 1-844-238-7507. It's that number on the screen to let us know you're here. Um, That's also the number we like to use to join different ministries. I know for student ministries, we like to send out a lot of reminders through that. Um, So if Students, you haven't joined that. Send students to that number as well. We also have a baptism service coming up um, for Sunday, January 14th. 
Um, you can also text baptism to that same number to sign in or come talk to anyone you've seen up here on this platform. If you have not been baptized, if you want to learn more about what baptism means, we would love to talk with you. We'd love to get you set up for that service. It is an outward declaration of an inward change. And so if that's something that resonates with you, if that's something that you haven't already done, we would definitely, definitely love to talk to you and, and set you up for that baptism service coming up on the 14th. We also have the Men's No Regrets Conference coming up. Um, this is a conference. I've been to this conference for several years. I think I've been going just about every time we've held it since I was in high school, and I've loved it ever since. So students, you are definitely welcome to this. Men, you are definitely welcome to this. Um, invite neighbors, invite friends, invite coworkers. Springbrook is actually a host site for this event. So there are other churches in the area. There are other pastors bringing their men to Springbrook to attend this event here. So it's going to be a great time to get to know other men in the community, maybe meet some faces and, and have some people and say, hey, I, I think I know that guy from the coffee shop or I know that guy from the gym or whatever the case may be. It'd be a great place to meet other Christian men. It's a great place to bring other friends and Christian men. And it's going to be, uh, I know it's been awesome for me and it's actually started our men's power-up event and all kinds of things like this that we do here now at Springbrook. So definitely sign up for that. That is February 3rd. We also have, um, we are partnering with Kids Hope USA. So Pastor Jeff is going to be um, kind of the head point person for this, and you'll see him in just a minute. Um, but this is where we, our, our church, uh, we will partner one adult mentor with one student in the Lake in the Hills Elementary School. And so we're asking one person to meet with one student over the course of one school year. And so this is a great uh, place to really build relationships, again, in our community. If you have a heart for kids, if you have a heart for students, if you have a heart for reaching our community, this is a perfect place for you to connect with real people in need in our community and be a light in that space. So you can do that at Kids Hope, or you can come talk to Pastor Jeff after the service. And so he will be up in a moment. Um, thank you. Hey, good morning. So 2023 is almost in the books. That sounds really crazy to say, doesn't it? So I hope that whatever you do this evening, that you have a you know, wonderful and very safe time you know, with your friends and family. Um, I'm giving you permission to do something that I wouldn't do because I usually get to about 12.01, say goodnight, and roll over and go to bed. So if you have a little bit of fun, that's, that's great. But just you know, have a wonderful time, and please you know, be safe with family and I'm really looking forward to 2024 and, you know, what God's going to do in your lives as well as what you guys can then, you know, do uh, you know, together collectively as a church. And so looking forward to that. And uh, speaking of 2024, I'm really looking forward to something on a smaller scale, but I get really excited by the different technological advances. I'm kind of a tech geek of sorts. And so something cool comes out and I think about, um, you know, the way it improves our lives by either taking away some tasks that I don't want to do and automating it for me. Or maybe it's some sort of kind of like quality difference. And so 
you know, it's something that, you know, I get excited learning about. And you know, just a couple of a few that I wanted to share with you this morning, for example. The first of which is uh, not exactly a new thing, but OLED TVs are really cool. And so the way that they've engineered the backlights on these things, they have, you know, the most vivid colors. And you have the deepest blacks and just the greatest, sharpest contrast in picture. And so, you know, it's just really, really lifelike. And whenever I go through Walmart or wherever it is that you happen to shop and you walk by these, it just really captures your attention. And if my Chicago Bears ever do something, you know, of note, you know, later on, then I'm coming to your house if you have one of these so that, you know, we can watch the game together. But I think OLED TVs are pretty cool. Another thing that came out this year, uh, Pixel's version of a, uh, excuse me, Google's version of a smartphone is called the Pixel, and the Pixel 8 has what they call a best take feature. And so if you're a parent and you've ever tried to get a bunch of kids together to take a family photo, you realize how frustrating that can be, right? Because sometimes they're looking this way, or some have their eyes closed, or they yawn, or they're crying. And so you could never get all of the kids to have you know, that picture where they're all looking the same way and smiling at the same time. Well, the phone actually solves that problem or that dilemma for you. And so they take multiple pictures, and you can actually choose, you know, which shot for each individual person in that, you know, photo you want to use. So you can come up with that perfect Christmas card or that perfect family photo. And so, you know, that's something I think is, you know, pretty neat. Um, coming out probably within a month's time, you know, something that is called the Apple Vision Pro. And it comes with a <laughs> really hefty $3,500 price tag. But Nonetheless, reading about this, I think it's you know, very neat, and it looks like a VR headset, but it's actually not that. Um, you can actually see through it, and it allows you to interact with your environment, and you can use it as a you know, computer. You can you know, interact with your apps. You can take you know, something that you're watching and stretch it across the wall because you're not dealing with a physical environment. And so you know, even though it's got a hefty price tag, that's a pretty cool piece of you know, technology. And so you know, that was something that I had a lot of fun learning about. Now, if you're going to take, you know, OLED TVs or, you know, the Pixel 8 or, you know, the Apple Vision Pro, all of these things have something in common, and that's that they need to be tethered to a wall, at least at some point in time, right? They have to have a power source. And if they're not with that power source, at worst, you know, they're trash. At the best, they're kind of like a glorified paperweight if you would ever use a phone for something like that. And so, you know, these products, as cool as they are, as many features as they have, the things that they do for us, they have to be plugged into a power source that they have to remain in or abide in. And so similarly today, I'm going to talk about our provision or our power source and what that is and then how that manifests itself in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. So if you've been trekking along with us here, we've been in the I Am series, which is talking through the I Am statements in John's Gospel. Now, when Jesus you know, says I Am and then he talks about something, he's not just doing it to do, make a metaphor. He's Make a metaphor, but it, the I am is a very purposeful title. And so um, in Exodus 3, when Moses you know, saw God in the burning bush and he, it, he went and he revealed himself to Moses, you know, he identified himself as you know, the I am, the self-existent creator of the universe. And so Jesus, in making these statements, is identifying himself as that creator God. And then after that, he gives some form of metaphor that tells us something about himself or how it is that he chooses to work in the world. And so we've gone through, you know, six statements thus far, and we're coming to our seventh and final statement here today, and that is that in the true vine, which is found in John chapter 15, if you want to start turning there by opening your Bibles or turning on your Bibles, as it may be. And um, I just want to read through the passage to start, but, you know, before doing so, it's important to know that this falls within Jesus' final teaching to his disciples before he's going to be crucified. 
And so he's got some things he's getting off of his chest and teaching his disciples before they're going to go and run the ship and do this on their own. And then um, in a moment, he's going to you know, pray for them if you flip over to chapter 17. But um, we're going to be in, in John 15 here today. And the things I want us to pay attention to are, number one, you know, what is that provision or power source that we have? Number two, you know, how do we stay plugged into that or you know, glued in or tethered to that source? And the third thing is, how does that manifest itself? So the, the so what or now what, what do we you know, do with that information? And so we'll go ahead and read through John 15, and we'll start in verse 1. And we're going to go all the way through to verse 17. So a lengthy passage here today, but I think it's you know, worthwhile. So John 15, 1, he says, uh, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I have commanded you, so that you will love one another. And so, if I were to take this passage and I were to distill it down, the thing that I would want you to come away with today is that Jesus Christ is our provision for the Christian life. We need to abide in him and in doing so, bear fruit which manifests itself in acts of love. Again, Jesus Christ, if to use that technology um, illusion that we had here, Jesus is that power source or strength for us. And we need to remain and be you know, glued to him, working to accomplish tangible expressions of love, both here in the church well, amongst one another, but also outside of it and to our, our neighbors and those that we interact with. And so let's go ahead and you know, start breaking that down. Jesus Christ, first as the true vine, is our provision for the Christian life. So it is Jesus Christ that is our provision, you know, directly. Jesus is the true vine. And so we'll kind of unpack that and, and go ahead and explain some of this uh, metaphor which Jesus is using here. The first thing is that um, Jesus talks about, you know, being a true vine. And so I know we're not an agricultural society. And if we have some farmers in the congregation, you know, I don't know who you are necessarily, so I feel the need to go ahead and explain this. But this would have been something that would have been readily on the mind of his disciples as they were listening to him. So he's talking about, you know, a grapevine. And if you haven't ever seen a grapevine before, this is what a grapevine looks like. And so as you can see, the vine itself comes from the ground. 
and it comes off and branches out, and somebody, this is an example of a well-pruned vine, and there's a you know, wire or something that they string the vine along. And then as you have you know, the vine coming up, you have the branches, the fruit-producing parts of the plant. And so you have those little branches that you know, are coming um, up and down all along you know, the vine. And so you know, this is the thing that you know, Jesus has in mind, potentially, you know, as he's explaining um, his relationship to his disciples, to those who have a relationship you know, with him. Um, when we talk about pruning, this is an example of a vine that is needing some pruning, to put it mildly. And so as you can see, there's just an overabundance or overgrowth of branches, and so there's no room for any fruit to grow because, um, number one, you know, there's, there's no room physically because of the branches, but number two, also all the nutrients that the plant receives through the vine, they're going, you know, every which way, and so there's no real uh, good opportunity for good fruit to mature on that particular plant. And so this is an example of a plant that definitely needs some pruning. Once it's pruned... You know, the vines can produce those nice, luscious, you know, watery grapes that we like to buy in the grocery store and consume. And, but they need space in order to do so. They need you know, nutrients. They need to be um, you know, well-pruned in order to produce that. And so I think that this is the you know, idea of this grapevine, perhaps, that Jesus has in mind as he's you know, giving us this you know, metaphor, this illustration about himself. And then he also identifies himself as the true vine. Why doesn't he just say the vine? Why does he include the word true? He includes the word true because what he's trying to do is he wants to distinguish himself or he wants to contrast himself with the fruitless nation of Israel that's come before him. Many times in the Old Testament, God would use the kind of metaphor in talking about the Old Testament Israel as you know, being a vine. And when he would come to collect you know, some form of fruit or grapes, he would find them to be fruitless or barren or in some cases you know, withered. And so in contrast with that you know, fruitless plant, he is the true vine in his disciples are going to end up producing fruit and, and you know, great amounts of fruit, as you know, the passage suggests. Just one example of Israel you know, being this you know, fruitless vine comes from Jeremiah 8.13. Um, God speaking here says, when I would gather them, going to try and gather fruit, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine, no figs on the tree, even the leaves are withered, that I gave them is passed away. And so you know, we see here um, Israel represented as you know, a fruitless vine, Jesus Christ is the fruit, true vine that you know, provides and yields that fruit through his followers. And so at this point, when we you know, get to verse 3, it kind of seems like an odd interjection here a little bit when he starts talking about them being clean. But it makes sense if you read it kind of within the reference or the context of he's talking about taking branches away or pruning. And so if you're sitting here and listening to him, you know, as one of his disciples, you might be getting a little bit nervous, like maybe I'm one of the ones that's going to be taken away. And so he kind of puts their minds at ease, and he says that you know, they are clean because of the word he has spoken to them. And so he's, he talks to the disciples, and he says, you are branches in the vine. You're already there. You're the ones I'm going to use to work through and to take this message out to the rest of the world as you are clean. Um, in fact, we can see in contrast this with, if you just go a couple chapters back earlier, he's talking to the 12, and I said the 11, you know, purposely, because Judas has already left by this point in John 15. But when Judas is with them, and back in John 13, he says, and you are clean, but not every one of you, because one of you is going to go run off, and you're going to betray me. And so, you know, Judas does, and he leaves, and then, you know, he identifies these, um, you know, remaining 11 as, you know, being clean as uh, the branches that are already part of the vine, and he's going to invest in them. And so they can sit and listen, and they can take, of what it is that he's going to say to them so that they can, you know, teach that to others. 
And of course they did, because John included this in his gospel. We have it for us to read today. Um, another thing which you know Jesus does is he not only establishes himself as a provision, as that true vine, but he also establishes himself as the only provision, the only source of power. See, Jesus didn't say that we could do lots of things apart from him. He didn't say that we could do some things apart from him. He didn't say that we could do just one single thing apart from him. In, in fact, he says the exact opposite. John 15, 5, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He follow it down. The underlying part, he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. There is nothing that we can do, you know, apart from Jesus Christ and the work that he's done in us to benefit the kingdom of God. And so if we're going to push that kingdom forward, if we're going to move his agenda forward, we need to be connected to this true provision, this true vine. And that you know, true vine is Jesus Christ himself. And, you know, this is something that we actually take really seriously. Um, you know, Kyle, the student ministry director for the churches up here, and, um, you know, I co-lead um, our youth ministry with him called Thrive. And so we take this to heart because we could have lots of kids coming in all the time if we were to do just fun stuff and, you know, never taught the Bible, never tried to connect kids with Christ. We just went to Bolero this past, you know, September. We could just inflate the budget and do that a bunch of times. And we'd have, you know, tons of kids coming because they'd all want to bring their friends. They're, you know, paying for us to go fun places and do fun things. But that's not what we want to do because we realize that that kind of fun, that stuff is temporary. We need to connect kids with the true vine. We need to connect kids with Jesus Christ to give them that, that basis to be able to rely on so that when they leave high school and they get into adulthood and into later adulthood, they have you know, that relationship with him firm. And so we, we take that really seriously, that apart from Christ, we, we can do nothing. And so we have that kind of impetus you know, to teach the kids, and that's you know, our focus you know, with them largely. And so Jesus Christ, the true vine, is the provision for the Christian life, but also our response. Our purpose for abiding in that true vine is that we bear fruit. Again, our purpose or our reason for being in the vine, for being connected to him, is that, you know, we bear fruit. There's no such thing as a fruitless Christian, which we'll talk about in a moment here, but our purpose, our reason for being there is that we produce fruit for God and for his kingdom. And so in this passage, you probably got the sense that Jesus says over and over again, he says, abide, abide, abide. Or if you have a different translation, it might say, remain, remain, remain. And it's the same word, the same idea, and he uses it some 10 times. And so I think if we're really to get a handle on what it is that Jesus is teaching here, you know, in John's gospel, we need to have a real handle on what it means to abide or to remain. And so it really means to hold fast to the close relationship that we have to Jesus and to his words. But instead of having me define it, I'll, I'll just let John define it himself. So if you want to pick up your Bibles or turn over, go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and, it, and then we're going to read verses 11 through 16. And so in this passage, with the abiding, you know, John puts some feet on what that means or what that, you know, looks like, you know, for, you know, the believer in Christ. And so let's read through this passage, and then I want to talk through, um, you know, some of these things that he says about what it means. Um, 1 John 4, starting in verse 11, he says, Beloved, If God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
So we have come to know and believe that the love, excuse me, to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because um, as he is, so we also are in the world. And so, um, three things that I can say in about abiding after reading this passage, also written by John, the same author that wrote the Gospel of John. And so he gives us, you know, a couple uh, ways that we can identify if we're abiding or not. The first of which he gives is, you know, he gives us we can abide by our love. Not the love, you know, it's the defined by the world, not the type of love. But I love chocolate ice cream because it's subjective and it may change from day to day. But love rooted in, you know, what God has done for us. That his son came to earth and died a sacrificial death so that we might have a relationship, you know, with God through Jesus Christ. And so it's in light of how God has loved us that we're to, you know, love the world. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit put some teeth to it and how that manifests itself. Secondly, it says that we know that we abide in him because he's given us his Holy Spirit. And so when you repented of your sins, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, he went and, um, and you confessed, you know, faith and, you know, that Jesus had forgiven you and you placed your trust in him. He, God gave you his Holy Spirit. In fact, if you turn just a page backwards from John 15, if you care to look at it later, it says that the Holy Spirit will be in you. And so he's giving us um, the idea that, you know, the person who abides in Christ, the Spirit of God is in him, empowering him in order to, you know, direct his life and also to see the changes that are manifest within the person's life. And that comes, you know, through the Holy Spirit. And so we have, um, you know, God's love being manifest in us, the Holy Spirit, but also testimony. And that's important, he says here in 1 John 4, that, you know, those who confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and, and also it says that, that he's the Savior of the world. And so, you know, if we abide in him, you know, we want to bring that message to others. We want to tell others, you know, that he is God's Son and what it is he has done to save the world and to save us as individuals. And so, you know, that message is on our lips. We're looking for opportunities in order to share that with others. And so, all, all these three ways are, you know, ways in which, you know, you know, we abide in this, you know, term abide that John uses. It's kind of, you know, very robust and, you know, full in, in terms of what he means. And so, going back to John 15, <clears throat> now, um, John's, Jesus speaking in John says that the result of the abiding is that who, those who bear fruit, excuse me, is that those who are his disciples will bear fruit, you know, for Christ and his kingdom. And so, you know, John 15, 8 that I have up here says, uh, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so listen when he says, So prove to be my disciples. And so, you know, the proof is that, you know, we bear fruit for Christ and his kingdom. His disciples bear fruit. They are not fruitless. Uh, bearing fruit is a metaphor, of course, for, you know, doing works, doing things in order to further his kingdom. Um, the quintessential text for, you know, God preparing things for us comes out of, you know, Ephesians 2.10. There, um, you know, Paul writing says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what reason? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so there is certain fruit, certain things that God has tasked each one of us to do. He doesn't just leave us here on earth in order to, you know, sit in our homes and never interact with anyone and never do anything. There's things that he has on our laundry list, you know, before we go to meet him that he expects us to do. And so this bearing fruit is you know, acting out, doing the things, you know, that God has, you know, called us to do in life. And so, you know, that is what he's talking about. And so based on that fruit produced, 
Um, Jesus explains the difference then between what is a you know, false disciple or, or one who maybe follows him in word but not, does not do so in deed and a true disciple, somebody who follows him in both. And so um, I just want to talk through that a little bit. And it's kind of difficult because I was explaining to somebody this morning, John kind of talks around subjects. And so you have to group verses together. You know, he'll start on a topic and then he'll go and talk about a couple other things and then he'll come back to it at the bottom. And so, you know, please excuse us. But I think if you take a look at it, at the passage as a whole, it makes sense. But first I want to talk about... Um, there's another you know, actor in this uh, you know, metaphor that Jesus has here, and that's God the Father, and he's given the action of being the vine dresser. The vine dresser, if you remember, we were talking about the plant that needed to be pruned. The vine dresser is the one that does that pruning. He you know, fashions that vine so that it may be the most you know, fruitful of all. And so you know, God is this part of the, the vine dresser, and Jesus talks about you know, what his actions are depending upon if the person is you know, a fruitless, you know, false disciple or if it is a you know, fruitful, true disciple of his. And first he says, uh, Jesus, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He removes it from the vine. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. And so, you know, metaphors only you know, go so far, and so I don't want to read into that too much. But I think it gives you a sense of you know, the... Uh, direction and what happens in the afterlife to those who are not part of that true vine and those who are you know not part um, you know of those you know fruitful branches that he mentions and in fact we can even see false disciples even just from john's gospel there's a couple that have been given already in the um, bread of life you know sermon you know this was covered you know a couple weeks back if you care to watch it but um, there was a you know group that was following jesus in john 6 because he was doing these wonderful miracles. He was feeding lots of people, and they were saying, you know, this is great. We follow this guy, and we don't have to work for our food. And, and so they keep following him. They're saying, hey, make food again, make food again. And instead, he, he gives them a lesson on, you know, what the true bread is and what you know, true drink is. And so they say, well, uh, we like the teaching, but, you know, where's the food? And so when it came apparent that they weren't going to get that, it says, after this, many disciples turned back and no longer, you know, walked with him. And so once he stopped providing, you know, those worldly necessities that they wanted from him, they said that you're no longer of any use to us, and they turned their backs on him, and they didn't follow any longer. And, and again, it used the word disciple. So somebody who appeared to be a follower of his, you know, in word, but yet when it came down to it, you know, in action, they were not. We've also talked about Judas as well, and so um, there's a portion where uh, it says, Jesus answered them in John 6, did I not choose you, the twelve? And so he chose 12 disciples specifically, you know, Jesus who has, um, you know, all the knowledge, you know, and he's uh, omniscient, he knows everything. He specifically chose one person, you know, who would not follow him, and, and Judas did not. And he, he called that one, you know, a devil because he would turn him over to the authorities to be crucified and turn his back on Christ. And so, you know, again, a, tr a false disciple, you know, is to be cut off, and it says that, you know, uh, they follow him maybe in word, but when it comes down to it, they don't follow him in deed also. They do not produce, you know, fruit, you know, for the vine. In contrast to that, we have God, the vine dresser's actions towards a true disciple. He says, every branch, you know, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. And so even us that are in Christ, we're subject, you know, to pruning. And sometimes you know, that can be a painful process, right? There are things in our life that you know, maybe we'd like to hold on to, but God takes away and he removes from us because he sees them as an impediment and something that, you know, keeps us from um, being able to follow him more fully and to bear, you know, more fruit for him. 
Um, in a subsequent passage there in John 15, 6, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides me and I in him, um, he it is that bears much fruit. And so, you know, the course of our lives will be one where, you know, we bear, you know, some fruit at the beginning. And as we continue on in life, we should be bearing more and more and greater fruit and doing, you know, greater works, you know, for the kingdom and, um, you know, moving along. And so, again, we have this, you know, picture here of this um, true and false disciple. And so we've seen here that Jesus Christ is the true vine, the provision for the Christian life. We've seen here that our purpose for abiding in that true vine, for, you know, loving, having the testimony, and having the Holy Spirit within us, all those things work through us in order to bear fruit. But uh, thirdly, our fruit is borne out in acts of love. Again, our, our fruit is manifest. It's, it's able to be seen in acts of love. And so Jesus points out here that we're to be tangibly loving others as a means of abiding in him. People should be able to see us physically, love people. You know, talk is really cheap. And so you can say that I want to do all these things, I love this person, but yet your actions, you know, sometimes you know, they don't show what it is that your, your words display. And so, um, you know, they should be able to see, you know, again, that, you know, we are disciples of his because of, you know, the uh, love acts that we perpetrate out in the world. And um, as a passage here, you know, John 15, 9 through 12, I just want to walk you through this. Um, this is... Um, the second time, actually, and we'll look at the first time in a moment that God has commanded this, but this is where I'm pulling this from. Um, Jesus speaking here says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, here's the conditional. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And now, listen, here's the... He says, If you keep my commandments... Now, this is my commandment, and then he brings out, you know, that you may love one another as I have loved you. And so I'll read that again, that you may love one another as I have loved you. And so if you read that as I have in the same, you know, force, in the same, you know, way, in the same manner that I have loved you, he really calls us to quite a bit. And he's not just talking about, you know, loving as, you know, us, you know, within church, but also, you know, our neighbors and those, you know, outside of, you know, these four walls and, you know, loving them in, in tangible ways. And so, um, as I mentioned, this wasn't the first time that, you know, Jesus even said this. If you just flip a few pages back in John chapter 13, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, how are people to know that we're his disciples if we can't, they can't witness us, you know, loving others? You know, it's one thing to say that I love a person, but that should, you know, lead us in order to manifest or give expressions of that love towards that individual. It's something that where people will know that we're his disciples if they see us loving them, not if they just hear us, you know, saying it. And so that, that's an interesting statement, you know, as I have loved you. And so I just want to talk through real quick, because there's a few ways that it's pointed out in this passage in John 15, that the ways that Jesus has modeled love for us. And so our love, in some ways, should fit, you know, one of these categories or should, you know, look like this. There's a sacrificial love, John, you know, 15, 13. If you look over, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And so he sacrificed himself for us. He didn't have to do so, but he, he chose to do so. And he loved us in that, you know, he you know, sacrificed himself. And so, you know, love has some form of sacrifice. Um, you know, if you're a good parent, you should know that, right? 
That's something that you do all the time. You sacrifice your wants and your needs you know, for the betterment of your children. And for our neighbors, we should be sacrificing whether it's our you know, finances or our time in order to care and to love them. And so there should be some form of sacrifice involved you know, with our love. There's also you know, sharing of joy. Uh, 1511, he says, These things I have spoken to you, Jesus speaking here, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so we have, you know, joy that we have in the Lord because ultimately this life is as bad as it gets. And so when we leave this life, we're going to be with him for an eternity. And so we have a joy and expectation, you know, of that, you know, union and we we can share that joy with others. And we can love others, you know, because of that joy that we have and share that joy with them. There's also, you know, support and help. You know, in, in two passages here, um, you know, Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to leave. Y- y'all are on your own. You know, do a good job. I'll come back in a little bit, and we'll see what you guys have done. That's, no, no, he's, he's intricately involved all the way along the way here. And so in verses, you know, um, you know, 7 and 16 of, you know, John chapter 15, he talks about them praying and the Father granting them what it is, you know, that they need. And so they're on their, this journey of, you know, producing, you know, fruit, you know, for his kingdom. It's not something that they have to do on their own. You know, they can pray, they can interact with God. He's going to be there to help them every step along the way. And so, you know, we see here that, you know, God loves us. He supports and help us, helps us, and we can support and help our neighbors. We can, you know, meet their needs. We can help and love them in this way. There's also transparency. Um, you know, John fifteen fifteen, he says here, um, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And so he, Jesus clues us in on the big conversations, right? He, he tells us what it is that he's doing from the beginning. He doesn't, you know, keep us in the dark. We're not just servants that just do as they're told and, you know, you listen, you know, um, you know, when I tell you to listen to me. No, he's, he's told us everything. He's given us everything that he needs, and he's transparent. He's honest with us. And, you know, love is that kind of honest and transparent love. Um, it's not fake in any way. And also, lastly, there's choice. In verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And so, you know, Jesus has this element in saying, You 11, and then also us by extension, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, God has chosen us. You know, he selected us to be, you know, branches in the vine. And so if you are a married person or you have a uh, you know, significant other right now, you understand the importance of that choice, that you love that person you know, and no other in that same way. And so you know, God has you know, chosen us. He selected us you know, out of the world, and, and he loves us, and that's you know, a way in which he shows so. And so as Jesus has you know, modeled this love for us, you know, going back a few screens, you know, if we are you know, his disciples— People will know that because they will observe the way in which we love others. And so, you know, we should show them that we love them in manners like this. And so Jesus then concludes his remarks in this section by emphasizing again, you know, that the, you know, love is the goal. That's the way in which, you know, they're to act this out. And so he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. You know, he wanted that, that unity, that love to unify them and, and not only um, you know, message, but also, you know, personally, so that they were on the same page together, the same accord as they were going to carry out his message to the world. And so you might be saying at this point, well, this is great. I think that I know how to love people, and, and I think I can do that, but, you know, I need an outlet in order to do so. 
And so um, just kind of by way of application, I wanted to give you a couple of means in which coming in the new year, you're able to, you know, abide in Christ. And so, you know, have those manifest acts of love towards others. Um, And so there's just a few things that we're doing as a church here together. And as I go through these, keep in mind they go from the kind of less time involved, you know, less commitment, all the way down to a lot of time and a lot of commitment. But they're still very, all very worthwhile and um, ways in which we can show to be his disciples, you know, by loving others and that we abide in the true vine. Uh, first of which is our, you know, Bless Every Home initiative. And so this is a really cool app. You can put it on your phone. You put it on your computer. It's easy. You could do it right now as you're sitting here in your seat. And so um, springbrook.org forward slash bless. Um, what, all you do is you enter in your address. It shows you who your neighbors are so that you can know them by name. And then it gives you the opportunity to be able to pray for those neighbors. And so, you know, if we believe in the power of a prayer, which I certainly do, we can pray that God will open up opportunities in order to love our neighbors. And this isn't even anything that you have to go and tell them about first. You just have to put your information in, find out who your neighbors are, and to begin to pray with them. And it lets you select how often to do that, whether it's on a daily basis or a weekly basis. You know, you can select how you want to pray for them. But then hopefully those prayers, those opportunities which they open up, you know, should lead to caring for them. Or even you can select that you're able to share the uh, message of the gospel with them or even, you know, disciple them. And so these are actually current stats, you know, from that page. It might have changed (laughs) this morning if somebody signed in to do so. But we have nearly 6,500 prayers have been offered for uh, people in our community, you know, that don't attend this church. How wonderful. Uh, We have, you know, 152 times, um, you know, that people, you know, have cared for their neighbors in some tangible way. We have 19 times that people have shared the gospel, and then eight times that um, people have actually entered into discipling relationships with their neighbors. And so um, this is just a tool to help you move you along that path, and so choose to use it if you want to, but a very tangible way in which you can start to move forward and loving others, and, and so exposing them, you know, to the true vine. Now, what better way to, you know, love on others than loving the next generation? And so right now we have um, Kid City going on over there, our, our children's, you know, program. Um, you can get information on that, springbrook.org forward slash, you know, kids. I was talking to uh, Penny, our assistant children's ministry director this week, and she said specifically they need, you know, somebody, you know, for toddlers would be great. And I will just say that there may be a very cute toddler that may or may not come to church with me each week, and so you would get to interact with them, which would be wonderful, but... Um, you know, they will take, you know, help at, you know, any level. Um, and so if you want to uh, be able to, you know, uh, lead kids, you know, through Bible passages and teach them and sing songs and just to get a chance just to love on them, um, you know, what a better opportunity than that. And then um, moving up into our 7th through 12th graders, um, springbrook.org forward slash students is our ministry page. You know, come and partner with, you know, Kyle and I. Uh, we would love to have you, you know, um, invested in these kids and in the small groups, you know, that they're in. We need specifically, it would be wonderful if there's some, um, you know, woman listening that would want to take care of, um, you know, our senior high girls specifically. That's, you know, grades 9 through 12. We could use another leader. We have uh, one who does a wonderful job, but if she gets sick or she can't come for some reason, then we got to get really creative over what we're doing, right? And so, you know, if you're able to, you know, love on kids or love on students, that's another way in which you can show a tangible expression of love by, um, you know, bringing the message of truth to them and then uh, showing them that you care for them and love them at the same time. <clears throat> um, small groups. 
springbrook.org forward slash small groups. I was first discipled, I was first loved in a small group of men. And so, you know, I am here today, you know, because of small groups, because of the sacrificial love of others who took time and invested in me. Um, we have a number of groups. It's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I oversee. Uh, men's groups, you know, ladies' groups, they meet at all different, you know, times and, you know, locations. Some are in people's homes, some are in restaurants. Um, but, you know, there are lots of opportunities to get plugged in and to receive love from others, but then also find tangible ways in which to love them. And so to prove to be his disciples by people seeing, you know, that we have love for one another. And so small groups are a great, you know, way in order to do that. And lastly, um, it was featured this morning, but, you know, Kids Hope, um, springbrook.org forward slash Kids Hope kind of gives you a primer on, you know, what we're doing. Um, I was stunned, honestly, when I was interviewing here to come and, and, you know, Rich let us know. Pastor Rich is the lead pastor if you're visiting with us today but that we were, you know, already had contact with schools to be able to, um, you know, love on them. And so this is a great opportunity with a neighboring school. Um, as, as Kyle said, the idea is uh, one mentor for one child, and you meet once a week for one hour, and it's for one school year. So that's a lot of ones, right? I know. But, um, you know, they have identified right now more kids than we have mentors for, and, and I won't lie to you up front, it's a, there's a screening process and there's some training that you have to go through in order to do so. But I think that that's well worthwhile in order to you know, meet with some kid and to make a difference in their life. And now it's a public school and so we can't go in you know, with our Bible and you know, preaching as much as I'd like to do that and pray with them. But hey, it's no secret that we're coming from Springbrook. And as the, you know, the passage states, it says, you know, let others see your love and so you know, they will know that you're disciples of mine. And so they know that we're coming because, you know, we love Jesus and, and we want to love kids. And so if you have an interest in making an impact in a child's life, um, you can talk to me, you know, after the service here, or you can visit there. And there's actually a link where you can fill out for more information and I can answer any specific questions that you may have. But, but all of these collectively, you know, if, if you're not going to do one of these things, that's fine. You know, do something, you know, to love someone. And, and if you've never... Um, you know, trusted Christ as your Savior before, and, and um, you're coming here today, you know, you want to be part of that true vine, um, you know, you can also speak with us as well, and so um, you can do so, you know, by talking to me in the hallway, or you can kind of discreetly do so by texting next step to the 844-238-7507, and, uh, you know, we'll be in touch with you to, you know, talk with you about that, but, um, you know, that would be the most important thing that you could potentially do in the new year, will change your life. It changed my life, changed the life of every other person here is a disciple of his, and we can testify to that. So, but uh, pray with me if you would, please, and, and thank you for being here and making this a priority this morning. So, um, Lord God, thank you for a good year that we've come through. Um, even though, you know, there are, you know, many challenges, you have been ever present with us. You have uh, been here um, with us every step along the way. Thank you for the reminding, though, that of John 15, 5 says that apart from you, we can do nothing. Um, and help us to have that focus in the new year that if we're going to do anything for your kingdom, if we're going to do anything of eternal value, it needs to be rooted and grounded in, you know, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And uh, may we just, um, you know, declare his message on the mountaintops as the um, old hymn says. And, and Lord God, may I just spur something in somebody to share with their neighbors or their coworkers or or somebody else that needs to know about you. And, um, and Lord God, I pray also as well for your supernatural power just to um, indwell us through your Holy Spirit this coming year to 
uh, make you know changes that we need in order to uh, abide more deeply in you. Um, statistically, the uh, New Year's resolutions are usually fading out about th- three or four months. But Lord, if we truly hold fast to you, you will give us something that will abide for a lifetime. And so we pray that you would you know draw us to yourself and um, just allow us to do and walk in the works that you prepared for us this morning. And so just um, thank you so much for you know being ever present with us. We love you. We thank you. And uh, you give us a very high bar to live up to. But uh, with your strength and power, we know we can do so. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand as we continue in worship this morning. sing these songs as I often do but every song I stand and you never do so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a high for king except for hearts singing Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song 
Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul But don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, I've nothing else fit for a king, except for hearts singing morning church amen praise god praise god we thank him this morning church as we prepare to leave this place even though it's not christmas anymore maybe we don't have a an easy way to really express to the world and those that we meet that there is hope but we can do that other ways so do what you can Find the end. Share the gospel. Further God's kingdom. He's commissioned us to do so. And in doing so, we become more like Jesus. Our goal is to be his disciples. And so as we leave this place, let's prepare to do that to the best of our ability because he first loved us and why not show that to others let's go in peace thank you